You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Red Deer, Alberta. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at redemptionreddeer.ca. This morning, uh, we'll be concluding our series on our six distinctives of our church, uh, looking at strategic church planting. And, uh, and I hope you'll walk away after this message being very clear, oh, this is what we mean by strategic church planting. And, and you'll also, I, I pray, I've been praying that you'll have an increased burden, increased desire to see church planting happen within uh, central Alberta and around the world. Uh, following this message. Only God can do that. Just a few stats to put before you. LifeWay Research had a study, uh, this is in 2019, a study which analyzed church data from 34 Protestant denominations and groups. They found that 4,500 churches closed in 2019, while about 3,000 new congregations were started. That was just about 34 Protestant denominations. Um, and then according to uh, an article 2019 this is a CBC article, so I'm not sure actually <laughs> about it. But uh, according to one national heritage group, they reported over the next 10 years, they're estimating about 9,000 churches and other faith-owned buildings in Canada will be shutting down. About 9,000, and and that was both those stats are 2019, and so you can imagine 2020 and on. I think actually those numbers will just increase, actually of of churches closing down. Um, it, could be, it could be because of the age of the congregation, right? That's the thing. Actually, every church has a life cycle. I don't think we realize that. Some estimates have made maybe about five generations uh, for a church. But churches don't live forever, so it's not surprising that they do shut down. Sometimes it could be because of age. Com- sometimes, I think in Canada, it could be the change of our society, the focus. Uh, could be the faithlessness of the church to preach the word, and that's why they closed down. So that could also be a good reason. But the reality is uh, we need more faithful, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting churches in Alberta and Canada, around the world. Like, we just need more. And it doesn't even matter that there's, like, there's so many closing down, so we need more. But we just need more expressions of the body of Christ who are faithfully preaching the word, seeing disciples made, and reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. And, and so I pray that this message will help uh, I see the need for that and the desire for it. Again, so this is the last distinctive. Again, distinct, not being really distinct at all. The first one is fervent prayer. We want to be about fervent prayer in our church. We want to be about bold preaching by God's grace. Uh, help us to be about bold preaching. We want to be about passionate worship. Purposeful discipleship. We want to see people grow up into maturity, into the Lord. Last week we talked about courageous evangelism. We want to be a church that as we leave, we want to make the name of Jesus Christ known to whoever we run into, whoever we see. And then all those things, I think, culminate. If we're doing those things, uh, then we want to be about strategic church planting. Right? That the mission of our church is actually just the Great Commission. We want to see lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied, all to the glory of God. Impossible, impossible on our own. Ab- absolutely. God help us. This is just going to be a different message for you. I just want to tell you up front, we're going to be looking here 
Matthew 28 here in just a moment. There's not a church planting verse. There, there isn't, but there is. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's kind of like church membership. I think we can see it implied within Scripture, but yeah, there's not a specific verse of it. But I, so we're going to start in uh, the Great Commission here in a moment, and then we're going to see the call to make disciples. Then we're going to look at the book of Acts very quickly, just certain portions. How did they react to the Great Commission? The hint is it's church planting, making disciples, planting churches. Then I'm just going to share a little bit of the story of our church. How do have we sought to fulfill the Great Commission through church planting? And then kind of prayerfully, how are we going to live that out in the future, God willing? That's where we're going to be going. If you want to stand with me as we look first at Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 17 to 18. In our Bibles, it's called the Great Commission. It could really be called the only commission. This is what we have in front of us. I'll start uh, in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless this word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. And again, before even continuing on, I just always, I want to go again to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, I... Uh, I thank you that you are powerful in my weakness. Lord, that your word will go out. It won't return void. You'll do the work that you want in our hearts and our lives. And I, I just pray, Lord, even as I, uh, as I speak your word, I, don't, I feel like I don't even get to proclaim it as I'd want to this morning. As I speak your word, Lord, by your spirit, may it pierce our hearts. May we have a clearer picture of uh, the call of the Great Commission. We have a clear picture of church planting. And uh, Lord, how you could use our church uh, to see other churches started, Lord. Only you can do it. Only you can use this word to, to build into people, Lord. Only you can use this word here this morning even to reach people who do not know you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would. I pray there are people here maybe who, who have no relationship with you. Give them ears to hear. I pray, Lord, for the, the saints that are here. God, use us, use our lives to further your kingdom, your purposes. And may this, this sermon here just be a part of that. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So first thing I want us to do is look at the commission or the great commission. And again, I said, or it could be called the only commission. There's not another one. This is, this is it. This is taking place right after Jesus had risen again from the grave. And he appeared to uh, some of his disciples, said, go to Galilee, I'm, gonna, I'm going to see you again. And so they went there and they were waiting. I want us to just nail this down first off before we think about church planting. Look at verse 17, I love it though. And when some saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. Just, just think about this, I don't think we grasp how totally unprepared the disciples were for what had happened. Right, like they were expecting Jesus to be the conquering king. 
They were expecting Jesus when he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, everyone shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're like, he's going to take over Jerusalem. He's going to take over, overthrow the Romans. He's going to take over Judea. That's what they were expecting. And then all of a sudden to see their king a week later crucified on a Roman cross. They, they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't understand it. Even though Jesus had told them a number of times, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to be buried in the grave. I'm going to rise again. So even as they, as, they, as they see him, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, they just didn't have a category for looking at Jesus. They were still like, what is happening? I thought the king was going to overthrow everything. We saw you crucified on a cross. You're risen again. Some worshiped, some doubted. I love that, some doubted. Jesus is okay with the doubters. He calls them, hey, no, no, believe in me. Keep, keep following me. But that's not what I want to focus here this morning. I'm just continuing. I want to go through <laughs> fairly quickly through the Gate Commission, but I don't want us to miss it. Verse 18, Jesus says this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. There's a number of all statements here. All authority. There's so much I could say about this one verse, but I really want us to see the spiritual authority that Jesus had. The spiritual authority that he had. Think about this on the cross. Colossians 2.15 says this, Jesus, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, uh, sin has power over us. And by sin having power over us, the wrong things that we do, the devil has power over us. And uh, 1 John 3.8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So just think about this. There is a devil. There is a God. There are spiritual forces of darkness. There are spiritual forces of light. And Jesus Christ, when he was nailed to the cross, he defeated sin. He defeated the devil. He took the authority away from them and, and, and gave it to whoever would believe and trust in Jesus Christ. That whoever would believe and trust in him, they would go from the kingdom of darkness to be a servant of Satan to becoming a son or daughter of God, forgiven, made new. Jesus did that on the cross. He, had, he has all spiritual authority. Jesus has all spiritual authority. So this is really important to the Great Commission. Imagine being asked to do something but not having the right authority. I was struggling to think through that. Uh, I'm like, what example could I use? But we, we get so many, I don't know about you guys, so many Amazon things seemingly come to our door. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, did I order something? And they, they keep coming. But imagine if someone tried to go into Amazon to the big warehouse, didn't have the authority. They weren't even hired. They were just get, grabbing a bunch of things like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to help out. They're like, who are you? You can't just come and grab it. They, you have to have some sort of authority. That's a small thing. Think about spiritually, though, we have no authority in and of ourselves. We have nothing, but in Jesus Christ, he came to, de to defeat and destroy the work of the devil. We have his authority given to us. He has all authority. And just in saying that, I just have to say this as well. All authority is, it's already, he has it all, but it's not yet fully fulfilled. You need to understand that because not everything is under subjection uh, to Jesus currently. Like we, we can look around, we can see that, can we not? Death still happens. Not every knee has bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. One day, everyone will. The world is still broken and in sin, so though he has all authority, not everything is in subjection to him. 
is already but not yet. So we have all authority. And so why does that matter? Because we're called to make disciples of all nations. Verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The, the main verb there is make disciples. Like that's the command. Make disciples. Where? As you go. Wherever you go. To all nations. Whether you are in Red Deer, make disciples. You go on vacation, make disciples. You're at home, you're at work. Wherever you are going, the command is make disciples of all nations. So it's not just here, it's wherever we would have us uh, to the ends of the earth, in fact. And think about how do we make disciples? It's by sharing the gospel. What I just shared this morning, the good news of Jesus Christ, which I share every morning, that sinners, people who do wrong things, all of us, can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. I, I, I love it. I don't know about you. Like That's the, that's the best news that you can ha- hear and keep hearing, is that we can be forgiven and be having a right relationship with the one who made all things, the one who made I don't even know what it was called yesterday. There was like a, was like a solar eclipse or something. The moon went in front of the sun. Or God made all those things. The one who made that, spoke into existence. We can have a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become a disciple. There's no other way other than faith in Jesus Christ. You turn from your sins. You put your trust in him. So that's step one. If we think about how do you make disciples, it's by sharing the gospel, people believing in Jesus, step one. What's step two? Just continuing on there. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So make disciples, people believe in Jesus Christ, and then baptize them in water. And what, it, what is baptism? Baptism is, is simply, uh, one, it's a step of obedience. Say like, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus got baptized. He commanded me to get baptized. I'm going to get baptized. Baptism is also simply, it's an outward work of an inward reality. It's basically saying, everyone, I've believed in Jesus Christ. I've been forgiven my sins. I have the spirit of God within me. I am his. And baptism is a sign of that. As you go down into the waters, like as Jesus went down to the grave and came up in newness of life, so we are to be baptized in the same manner. So I would, I would say anyone listening here, if you have step one and you're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, but not step two, you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. Don't wait. Don't, as you look at Acts, you're going to see that pattern over and over again. So if you haven't been baptized, I'd love for you to talk to uh, myself, one of the other elders, and we'd love to see you take that step of obedience. Make disciples of all nations, step one. Step two, baptize them. Step three in verse 20, to obey all that he commanded. Not only baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I love that. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All. It doesn't say, like, some of the things I've commanded you, it's optional. The things that you like, you can obey. The things that you don't like, you can put to the side. No, as growing as disciples, we need to learn what are all the things Jesus commanded and we need to walk in obedience. And of course, we do that by grace, God's kindness. We don't do it perfectly, but we're seeking to grow by his spirit to walk in his ways. 
teaching, obeying all things. And, and where, where do you learn about this? Just, just think about that for a second. Where, where is it taught all the things that Jesus commanded for us to observe and obey? Do you Google it? <laughs> is that, could, you know, do we just Google it? Is it at university? I don't hear any amens. Right? I, I would say that the job to make disciples and teach them to observe everything Jesus has commanded is the primary job of the local church. And I think you're going to see this. And I, just maybe a question, as we look at the Great Commission, I hope it's really clear. I think it's clear in the word. How long are we to be about the Great Commission? To what time? It, to the, it says, to the ends of the age. I am with you always to the ends of the age. Like, like we're not to be about the Great Commission until we can think of something better to do as a church. Or, or maybe we're, we're like, okay, if we, if we see a, a really good community that we love built, then we don't have to be about the Great Commission anymore. No, it says to the end of the age. As, as in it's, it's not finished yet. And just think about this. As things get more intense in our world, in our country, in our culture, being opposed to Jesus Christ and the values that we would hold as Christians, as inflation continues to go, as we see wars, literal wars, and rumors of wars, as things get worse, it doesn't mean we're like, hey, what, what, what else should we do? What should, should we be about? We need to be about the Great Commission. If anything, the more that we see things not working out as we think they should, as these things may be turning and going down a, a, a dark path, it should increase our urgency, increase our conviction to be about this great commission or the only commission that Jesus has given. So I, I hope the great commission is clear. We just, we're just looking at it very briefly, but I hope it's very clear the call believers to make disciples of all nations. I had a friend in, in seminary who said, yes, hey, we need to make disciples. And I said, yes, we need to make disciples by planting churches. And he said, no, no, we just need to make disciples. That, that's it. I was like, oh, just make this, like, just go. You tell people about Jesus Christ and like high five. You take it from here. I'm like, no, no, I think it's so important that we have local churches for disciples to grow. I think you're going to see that in the book of Acts. If we only had the Great Commission and not the rest of the New Testament, I think you can make the argument Make disciples is just sharing wherever people are, carry on. But we have the rest of the Bible, and you're like, wait, wait, how was that played out? How's the Great Commission played out? And of course, you could guess where I'm going to go. I'm going to argue that it's by church planting. I don't know about you, if you read a book sometimes and you jump to the end. I don't know if anyone's here, you, got, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, if you do, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's where I want us to land it's church planting. Ultimately, I believe, is the, is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's what we should be about. So now I just want to take a quick look through the book of Acts. We are obey the commission through the book of Acts. You want to turn there. I'm just going to reference some scriptures and move fairly quick. At least that is, that's my intention. I just want you to see. Because it's like the Great Commission's given... We don't have to like wonder, hey, what did they do? We have the book of Acts recorded for us to tell us what the, the early believers did in fulfillment of the Great Commission. So book of Acts, starting in 1, 6 to 8. Jesus meeting with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Look at that. They were still, they were still focused on that. They're like, no, no, you were the, you're supposed to be the conquering king. Is it going to happen now? They were still asking that question. You need to see that. Jesus, though, the first time, though, what? He came as the lamb, crucified. When he returns the second time, it's the conquering king. But Jesus, look what he says to them. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. I want you to see that there's this, there's this mission given to them. It's, it was to be accomplished, how? In the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, you guys can't do this. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. And think of the magnitude of the call to them. It was, again, all nations. It was not just Jerusalem. It was also Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Can we, can we acknowledge that God has way bigger plans than we do? He's got way bigger plans than we could ever even begin to grasp. And so that's what he lays before the apostles. And see, I'm just going to move quick. So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down upon Peter. Actually, on all believers. The Holy Spirit comes down now to dwell with them forever. And Peter stands up and he starts preaching this sermon. We're just going to jump into the middle of it in verse 32. Peter's preaching to this group of people. And it says, this Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. They always talked about the resurrection. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He says to the crowd, hey, you guys crucified Jesus. Look at their reaction, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They were like, that's, that's true. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to see that. So repent, put your faith in Christ. That's become a disciple. Step one. Step two, and be baptized. Often we see in the book of Acts it happens so close together. We're like, is that actually one act? Believe and be baptized? No, it's believe. As you believe, then be baptized. But what happens? Look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Just just think about that. So 3,000 souls, they were added. Added to what? They were added to the church. Right? Seemingly, it was like the first mega church. There was only one church. As you read through, especially the beginning part of Acts, Acts uh, 3 to 6, continuing on, there was one church, it was Jewish, and it was in Jerusalem. And they, they met together, they gathered, they gathered in each other's homes. Seemingly, they also met together at the temple, somewhere around the temple, and prayed often. 
So I just want you to see that. But remember, it's just in Jerusalem at this time. But God said, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Why, why weren't they taking it and going out? I imagine like us, they love comfort, routine. It was like probably, it was a sweet time. Everyone had everything in common. These early believers were fellowshipping with one another. Even though they had the call in their lives to go out, they weren't going out. But then what changes things? In Acts 7, Stephen is martyred. Stephen, one of them, stands up before the Sanhedrin. He, he proclaims this message, and they, in return, these religious rulers want to silence him with rocks, and they stone him. But picking up there in 8 verse 1, it says this, And Saul <coughs> approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Like, I just want you to see this. God finds a way to accomplish his plans. And often it's actually through trials and suffering that he moves his people around to accomplish his will. And we see that here. So all of a sudden, the, the, the church that was there in Jerusalem now is scattered. And what do they do as they scattered in 8 verse 4? Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They went about sharing the gospel wherever they went. I just want you to just take note of that. What happens in chapter 9, I just, I have to at least mention it. The apostle Paul gets converted. The guy mentioned Saul there in the previous chapter. He was going around trying to kill Christians, throw them in jail. He was so uh, religious, such a religious zealot. He's like, ah, these Christians are out to lunch. Jesus is not the Messiah. They need to die. And on his way to Damascus to arrest more people, he's met with this amazing vision of Jesus Christ. And he's called to follow him. And I just want to read this. One of my favorite passages, I'll just turn there, stay in Acts. 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 16, Paul testifying about his own conversion 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Paul is in essence saying, hey, if Jesus saved me, he can save everyone. I love that. If, if Jesus can save the one who is out killing Christians and so opposed to him, he, no, none of us, no one's too far from the grace of God. I just want to point that out. So Paul gets converted. He then preaches Christ in the synagogues. This is in chapter 9 until they seek to kill him. Then he flees to Jerusalem. Nobody wants to meet up with him. They're like, yeah, we heard about you. We don't trust you. Barnabas introduces him to the apostles. Then he ends up in Tarsus, a place where he grew up. Look at 931 with me, kind of like a summarizing of what's happening. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Notice there, what does it say? The church throughout all Judea and Samaria Galilee had peace and was being built up. It's referred to as one, but obviously it had many expressions in different local bodies. So we saw as they were as they're spread out and they're preaching the word, churches are being established. And how are churches being established? It says here, 
Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Who multiplied the church? The Holy Spirit. That's, so some call it the acts of the apostles, or really it's like the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. The Holy Spirit is the one who multiplies churches. Just continuing on, uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 26. <clears throat> this is really hard as a preacher who I love church planting to just say these things so quietly. I'll just say this. I hope you guys are with me. I can't, I can't show you how excited I am inside. I literally couldn't sleep last night thinking, how can I articulate this so people can understand the importance of church planting? Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Hellenists were Greek-speaking non-Jews. So they're now starting to speak the, the gospel to those who weren't Jewish. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and when they sent Barnabas, then they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came, he saw the grace of God. Where did he go? He came to Antioch. Where did he go? He went to the place that they were gathered. It doesn't say, but he went to their church. He, went, he, didn't, he didn't go around to individually every single Christian and start sharing with them. He went, and you'll, you'll see it's referred to later. He went and he saw the grace of God. He was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And then Barnabas goes to Tarsus and grabs Saul. Verse 26. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And so again, there's disciples being made through the preaching of the word. And it doesn't say specifically, but they gather together in a church. I mean, don't mean a building. I mean the gathering of the saints. Where did they meet? We don't know. And so then uh, Paul or Saul and Barnabas, they go and they're teaching the church gathered for a year. Churches are being planted. I just want you to see that. Do you see disciples are being made, churches are being planted? It doesn't say specifically but we keep seeing this pattern. I want you to see it one more time. Acts 13, 1 to 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch, this is the church that was just planted, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. I've already I commented a few weeks ago about prophets and teachers. I think they were establishing the church. We can agree to disagree there. But I want you to see who was there worshiping. Interesting, Barnabas is listed first. Saul is listed last. But who else is there? Simon, who is called Niger. Many think he is maybe someone from Africa who is in the church. And then there's Lucius of Cyrene. Man, Manain, I'm probably saying it wrong, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul, there's a lifelong friend of Herod who is there, a guy who is probably involved in politics, who's there worshiping in the church. Just as I read that, I just want to say, just praying for you, uh, Jennifer and Pam, 
and others who are involved in politics. God has you where he wants you. So there's, there's people we see in the, in the early church who had these connections, who were worshiping together. And so there's that, and there's Saul, and what do they, <clears throat> what do, they do? While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we see they're gathering together, they're worshiping. It just kind of listed the leaders, surely like the church is there. They're worshiping the Lord. Holy Spirit's like, yeah, these two guys, set them apart. I'm going to use them. Who did God send out? He sent out some of their best. I want you to see that. He wasn't like, hey, who's our youngest? They won't be missed if we kick them out. Yeah, that, that person over there. Like Barnabas and Saul got sent out. That's one thing about church planting too. We want to we send out some of our best. I've, I've heard of churches that have planted and sent out like a chunk of their congregation. So a, a chunk of their giving. A chunk of their servants. Just trusting the Lord. I think we see that there in Acts 13. And how did, I just want you to see this church planting 101. What did, how did they start out? Fasting and praying. Fasting and praying they sent them out. It's the Holy Spirit who multiplies churches. It must be a work done by God. And just very quickly, they were sent out on the first missionary journey in Acts 13. They went to Cyprus, Poseidon, Iconium, Lystra. They were preaching the gospel and making disciples. And I want you to see how did it kind of conclude. Acts 14, 21 to 23. This is Paul after he got stoned nailed with rocks, went to the next place, preached the gospel. Pick up in verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city, Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Friends, I, I, I don't know if you underline in your Bible. I think you should. You should underline that verse. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. It shouldn't be shocking to us when suffering comes for walking uh, as Jesus walked. Our Savior was crucified. And so they're speaking to this group of people. They're speaking to the, the disciples that they had made. But look at the next verse. And when they had pointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Do you see that? That as Paul went around and preaching the gospel, disciples are being made, churches were being formed. Do you see that church planting? Because what did they do? They went back to every single place and gathered the church together. And then what did they do? They had elders appointed. And I want you to see it's always elders. It's always plural. It's never one that we see in the New Testament. But so they were, they were planting churches. That's what Paul was doing. This is how the, the um, apostles were fulfilling the Great Commission, by sharing the gospel, making disciples, planting churches. They weren't just like, hey, believe in Jesus Christ, high five, you figure it out. They were like, believe in Jesus Christ, now let's get together, let's organize ourselves, gather, it's called the church, and we're gonna have leaders over you, apostles. So I hope you can see this, you can see this pattern that is being set here in Acts. We see it all throughout. And again, I would just argue church planting is the primary way for the Great Commission 
to be fulfilled by sharing the gospel, making disciples, gathering them in local churches, repeating, continuing on. Uh, Dave Harvey, who's the president of the Great Commission Collective, which we're a part of, he said this about Paul. Paul the missionary was sent by local churches and received into churches. His labors resulted in more churches and his letters were addressed to churches. The aim of missions is never to separate the work of missions from the church. The aim of missions is creating new local churches through the effort of local churches. So friends, I hope you can just see there's the Great Commission. How is it being fulfilled in the book of Acts? Making disciples, planting churches. I hope that's clear. Now I'd just like to share a little bit. So how have we sought to fulfill the Great Commission here? Our own story and sharing a little bit about the Great Commission Collective. If you'll excuse me just for a second. So I just want to tell you, I just want to, it's a little bit of uh, testify, testimony. I just want to share this with you. Maybe you've heard a little bit of before, how was our church started? And I just kind of start to share some of our story. The first time that we were in Redemption, Calgary North, our family went up there, and uh, the pastor, I love it, he said, I don't have anything for you. What I do have is in the Word of God. Let's open it together. I'm like, amen. And, uh, and I loved the worship, and I loved the doctrine, and we, we loved what, it, what the church was about. In a, in a number of weeks, I, I had met the pastor there, Trevor Peacock. This would have been uh, like August 2018. And he says, oh, he found out I was training in seminary in Cochrane. Have you ever thought about church planting? I was like, no, <laughs> never in a million years. I, I, like, I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't realize the seminary I was going to was all about church planting. I found that out later. <laughs> but, uh, and so God had to, like, work in my heart, work in our family's heart to even have, a, like, an understanding of what church planting was, being a part of this church. So fast forward, the fall of 2019, I'm, I'm finishing my seminary training. My wife's family's from B.C., and so we, every year, a couple times a year, take the trip up and over the mountains, 10 and a half hour drive to go see her family. And we're like, can we be closer? Can we like knock down that drive a little bit? Go somewhere in BC. So the goal was to find a pastoral position somewhere in BC. And as we were looking at different positions, just kind of like had a few convictions, probably more than a few, but just to articulate. Uh, one, that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. This is actually God's word. It doesn't have error. We need to proclaim it as such. Believing in holding to uh, elder-led, complementarian elder-led, that means male-led elders uh, being over the church, not just any men, men that meet the requirements of 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1. Those two things, and then also a growing conviction of expository preaching, of like just chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Bible. And so just those three things, I'd look at a church position and be like, oh, we, oh, we won't fit there. Oh, maybe, maybe this place. Ah, no, we'll probably be at ends with each other. And it, it was actually really hard to find a church that held to those things. So at the same time, God's growing these convictions within us and within me. Uh, Redemption Calgary North, the fall of 2019, they were looking, where are we going to plant next? They had already planted in Olds. They had already planted in the south of Calgary. So they did a, a, vision, a vision trip, for lack of a better term. They came to Red Deer, they went to Edmonton, they went to Saskatoon. Are Roger and Shirley here this morning? 
Okay, I don't see them. They're, they're like the only ones that I'm aware of that were at that meeting. <laughs> they were like, no one came to the, to the vision kind of group in Red Deer. Maybe a few more people in Edmonton, more people in Saskatoon. They're like, for sure, the church plant is not happening in Red Deer. <laughs> I love that. And when they came back to Calgary, one guy was, was asking me, he said, hey, I have a heart for Red Deer. How did it go? And I interrupted the conversation. I said, yes, I have a heart for Red Deer. How did it go in Red Deer? Because I grew up here, and I, and I got into a lot of trouble as a young person, totally running away from God. He saved me. So I always had a heart for this city. And so the Lord started moving in my heart. Uh, okay, maybe we'll say yes to church planting. Because we need more solid churches who open up the word of God are unashamed to proclaim it. And not only do we, my wife and I, people our generation before, but our kids. Our kids need more solid biblical churches that people, as the pressures increase from our culture, saying just be quiet on these issues, like no, the word of God says this. And so just growing conviction in our hearts to say yes to church planting. But also a growing conviction that God, you can do it. I'm still, I'm like, I'm not a church planter, but Lord, you can send the right people. You can make it happen. You're such a mighty and powerful God. And so January 2020, we were interviewed by a few churches in the Great Commission Collective, the church planting network we're a part of, from Calgary and from Kelowna, and uh, another guy. And we were like, okay, we all will be church planters sent out from Calgary North. The beauty of it, I want you to see this, church plan is done together. This network of churches, we were supported and sent out by Calgary North. They had spiritual oversight. They supported us financially. They're praying for us. Hope Kelowna, Malvin Lutzer, preached here this summer. They supported us praying financially. Redemption Olds, praying. Actually, this, uh, this sound box back here, they donated to us. We're going to have to replace, I know, soon. <laughs> Two churches from Ontario, Redemption London, Redemption Durham. Good things can come out of Ontario. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going there soon. I don't know if I'll make as many Ontario jokes there. But, uh, <laughs> but we, we love the people and the churches that surrounded us and say, hey, we're going to support you financially. We're going to pray for you. Also, we received training from the Great Commission Collective. Ongoing training of people who have planted churches five years, ten years, like all the experience. Like, we're going to pour into you. We're going to walk with you. Prayers, finances, and training. And then, then what? March 2020, something happened. <laughs> Everything stopped. And it was like, we were just starting to share with people a little bit about the church we wanted to be in Red Deer. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you can't talk to anyone. What do you do? And I had already started telling people about our six distinctives. We want to be this church. We want to hold to fervent prayer. And I was rebuked by the Lord in my spirit. You want to be about fervent prayer? Pray. I remember we were up at the seminary in Cochrane, and I went down this place where I could just go get on my knees before the Lord, not telling you this to raise me up, but just like, I have nothing. God's the one who plants churches. So we're seeking him in prayer. Started a prayer letter started growing. How many more people can be praying for this church that does not exist yet? Things started opening up. We started meeting, sharing the vision, praying, had potlucks. Praise the Lord for potlucks. <laughs> amen. Yes. That's funny that that's the amen I got from this for potlucks, but I'm with you. I'm with you. 
And, and, and so as we were sharing, I would, we would call, it was a core group, a small group of people, and we, we were formed in the fall. And we met in uh, the Alliance Church in Kentwood, and God slowly started adding to our group. And it was, it was an amazing time. And everything that we went through as we started, like humanly speaking, uh, many said, like, this is the worst time to plant a church. But I love in, in God's timing, in his providence, it was the best time. And, I, and I'll just say that I was thinking, how can I articulate this? This is what kept me up last night. It was like the hardest time of my life, yet the sweetest time walking with Jesus. You know, when, when you have nothing else to lean on but God, and he just shows himself so much more faithful than you could ever ask or imagine. And the Lord built his church by his grace, by his good hand. We saw a new expression of the church started here in Red Deer. We just dated April 4th, 2021. Praise the Lord. For sure it was formed before then. But I want you to hear and see Christ builds his church. Christ is the one who does it. He uses people, but he builds his church. I'll share more about our story next week. We're going to think about the importance of church gathering. But I want you to see, I want you to hear, we were a church that was planted. And not only were we planted, we're part of a church planting network. The Great Commission Collective that wants to plant more churches in our sixth distinctive and strategic church planting. Friend, it's, it's in our DNA. Right? Like you, you'll see little kids with blue eyes. It's like, yeah, their parents had blue eyes. Or our kids, they don't really have a choice. I think they're all going to be tall. Right? We're, we're just, we're tall people. We reproduce like. So we're going to be a church that is seeking, by God's grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to plant other churches. It's in our DNA. It's very sad if you think, though, every church was planted. Every single one started. Majority don't start another one because it's not in their DNA. It's whatever it is, not in their mentality. So right from the start, we want to, like, how can we multiply Lord, help us. And so now I just want to kind of finish, how can we live this out? If you want to turn with me to Luke 10 to Luke 10 to, and I'll read it here in just a second. We were in Chilliwack, where my wife's family's from, because uh, we didn't move there, <laughs> so we went and visited. And, uh, and we were at this church, and this guy he was kind of being installed in a certain role, but he had been in church planting before, a group called C2C that had planted like 120 churches over the past 10 years or been a part of. And I was, I'm really interested. So I, I went to him after the service, and I'm like, hey, like we want to, we're a church. We want to plant other churches. And he said, well, let me tell you about 10, 10.2, 10.02, Luke 10.2. I'm like, huh? I didn't have it memorized at that time. And he said, well, when he was called into ministry and when he was in church planting, he said he prayed every day at 10.02 a.m., Luke 10.2. And Luke 10.2 says this. This is Jesus sending out 72 others in verse 1 and sent them on ahead of them two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. In verse 2, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He's like, if you want church planters, if you want to see churches planted, pray to the Lord of the harvest. 
to send out workers. I was like, amen. I love it. It's something so simple. So I have my alarm set to 10.02 a.m., Monday through Friday. And it goes off and it interrupts and I stop and I'll pray for church planting. So the first thing, how do we live this out? Is we need to pray. The Holy Spirit's the one who multiplied the churches. The Holy Spirit set apart Paul and Barnabas. God's the one who built our church. We need to pray for church plants and, and planters. I love when I was preaching in uh, Hope Kelowna this summer. They warned me ahead of time. Service starts at 9 o'clock. They're like, just a heads up. When you're praying, alarms are going to go off in the congregation. 10.02 a.m. Just stop. Stop the service. Pray. Pray for church planters. There's a few things you can pray for. You can pray for Lake Country in Oyama a church plant out of Hope Kelowna. They're still looking for a pastor or a leader. There's like a group of like 40, 50 of them started. They're meeting, they're gathering, they're looking, they're praying. Pray for them. Pray for Grace Enderby, a church plant out of um, Salmon Arm, Grace Salmon Arm. And uh, they're just getting started. This is like maybe their second or third Sunday. Pray that God would send the right people, that God would build his church there. Another expression my examples, of course, are used of churches within the Great Commission Collective. God's doing work in so many other places. These are the stories that I'm aware of. This is the ones we're praying for. Pray, continue to pray for Redemption Edmonton. They just celebrated a year in September. They're still being built up. And I'll, I'll just encourage you, if you can, if your schedule allows it, even once a week, just set an alarm at 10.02 a.m. And, and as the alarm goes off, look at Luke 10, 2, and pray to the Lord of harvest to send out workers. Pray that we would have eyes to see the harvest. Pray that God would continue to build his church. So how do we live it out? First thing is prayer. It's prayer throughout. Second is giving. 3% of our budget goes to the Great Commission Collective for training future church planters. The training that I receive, that I'm still receiving, we want to see other planters equipped and sent out. We supported Edmonton, Redemption Edmonton, 10,000 last year and this year. We've supported and, and helped uh, to send out Baron Mbala. If anyone was here, I think in February, he wants to, he's a church planner in the Democratic Republic of Congo, right? Church, we got to do church planning together around the world. And so he grew up there. He knows that there's a health and wealth stronghold, the prosperity gospel. It's wicked. And he's like, I want to go there and proclaim the word of God, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and faith in him alone for salvation. He's there right now. They were, they were meeting in their church office because they couldn't find a place, like 60 people crammed. It was a bigger office, maybe like that back room almost, 60 people crammed in. They now have found another place that they can meet. I think he said there's like 85 now people coming. Pray for him. It's, it's a hard go in the DRC. Pray for Barry Mimbala. So we're supporting him as we can, trying to gather other people to support him. So there's praying, there's giving, and then there's equipping. We want to see more leaders trained. Last, last year, we took a group of guys through a book called Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. We want to see men grow up in the faith, lead their homes, see more elder and deacon qualified People, Lord, uh, Dave Meisner's taking people through Romans. I'm doing other training. I have a group of, of six guys walking through more training. We want to see in our church preachers developed. 
So you will see in our pulpit people who are going to get, who aren't as seasoned in preaching up here so they can grow in the ability to preach the word. Because we want to see more preachers raised up who can do it. Even uh, in a few Sundays, Graham Saunders from Redemption Calgary North, he will, he'll be here in the pulpit. He's a lay leader. He's preached a number of times. I want to see him continue to grow in that. I'd love to see people within our own church uh, grow in that ability. Because, friends, don't, we need more preachers, right? Not less. Do we, we need more? Yeah. And, but just think, everyone needs to, like, learn and grow in it. We all want everyone who comes up here to, like, just nail it the first time and have it all together, but you grow in preaching by preaching. And so we're going to give people the opportunity to do that. In the future, God willing, we want to have future uh, partnerships with Miller uh, Bible College. Have some internships, people, students. We want to see uh, future church planters come through here, trained and sent out. And maybe you're starting to think, and you should be thinking, like, well, what about here? What about here? I think continue to pray and look, where is next? I wonder, is someone even listening to this sermon today who's like, man, I think I'm I'm called into church planting. I want to learn more. I would love to talk with you about that. It's something I was like, no, never in a million years. And now I like eat, drink, and sleep church planting. I'm like, yes, I'm convinced. That's my convincing as me raising my voice. (laughs) But think about, for our own church, we have people driving from Pinoca, Sylvan, Bentley, Black Falls, other places. Like, Lord, would you enable us to multiply somewhere? A small group ministry is a significant aspect of thinking through multiplication. We have one small group in Lacombe, Anthony and Susan Isis lead that small group I would love it, like, their small group's so packed, we need to split it in two. We need, to add, we need to add more. So even where our small groups are blowing up, for lack of a better term, getting big, uh, like, wh- is another church need to be started there? Pray with us. We need God's wisdom. I love that when they were thinking about church planting, they're like Red Deer, Edmonton, Saskatoon, for sure not Red Deer. And it was Red Deer and then Edmonton. And so it's like, I could say, I think it's this place. We don't know. We need to be praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. But friends, we want to be a church that multiplies. We want to be a church that sees other expressions of the local church. The need is so great. The need is so great. And I want you to hear this and see it. God is the one who does it. Just I'll finish with this. God is the one who does it. We understand the great commission. I think we saw it clearly. We see how the early church obeyed the commission in Acts. We are a church that was planted. We have Luke 10.2. We need more healthy, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting churches in central Alberta, in the world. We have these two scriptures. I want you to see Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor... Those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord builds the house. We have this promise, I believe, from Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right? So 
Unless the Lord builds, it's useless. But Jesus says, I will build my church. That's why we have these promises. We have the Great Commission. We have the Holy Spirit. And may God use us to see other churches started, multiplied, disciples made, more people in different areas reached with the gospel. And then what? As, a disciple, as they come in, as they get discipled, multiplied. May the Lord keep using us and many other churches to make much of Jesus Christ until the day he returns. As things get darker, may our hope in Christ and the gospel be a greater light. And may we find more expressions of his body to gather and encourage one another. Keep going. Keep following the Lord. Keep making the name of Jesus Christ known above everything else. There's so much hopelessness, friends. We have hope. We have hope the world knows nothing about but needs so desperately. And I pray that by God's grace, by his promises, by his work in us, our willingness, we will see Christ continue to build his church using our church to multiply others. We get to take part in this. We get a front row seat to see what the Lord will do. May he be honored and glorified. I pray you just bow with me as I close this word in prayer. Oh God, I... I pray that only you can take uh, this word, this testimony, this desire. I pray you'd work it into our, our church corporately, a desire to see churches planted. I pray you'd work it in us individually. Lord, even by your spirit, call people uh, to church planting, even here and now. I pray you'd call even groups of people de- desiring to grow in them, desire to see other expressions of your body here uh, in central Alberta. And Lord, we, we, we can have plans, we, can have, we have resources, but it doesn't matter. But we have you, Lord. You're the one who builds your church. And so we pray that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would give us a self-sacrificing spirit, uh, that we would see your church multiplied and more people reach with the gospel in our area and wherever else you'd send us. Lord, do that in us and glorify your name. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.